This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, please. I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, and then we're going to be moving around different texts again in the Scriptures. We're taking these Sunday mornings to deal with different subjects that the Lord has laid on my heart to help prepare us in this, our 50th year, for another 50 if the Lord tarries. I hope it's not that long. I hope the trump sounds today. But the Lord uses these times. We come to worship Him. A church service is about Him. It's about what we give to Him. It's not about what we get. But to be better for Him, we have these preaching times where we go to the Word of God as we're instructed. The early church gave themselves continually, steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. And oh, how we need it, and so much the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And so as I've mentioned earlier, we want to talk about our names. Your name, my name. The suspense in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet centers on a name problem. Romeo is a Montague. And Juliet's father will not allow her to marry him because of his family name. Juliet doesn't see that the real problem is the hateful feud between these two families. Instead, she determines Romeo's name is the enemy. What's in a name, she says, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Her reasoning is this, if Romeo could exchange his name for another, the problem would be solved and they could get married. Just change your name. Now admittedly, a person's good name and reputation can be hurt by the decisions of others, but most often, your name, my name, represents what we really are. So what's in a name? Well, the Bible teaches that our name represents who God knows us to be. And so as we begin this morning, consider the fact that names matter to God. Have you ever considered that it was God's idea to use names? He came up with that, not, not us. It was his idea. How do we know? Well, God has given himself names that reveal who he is, who his person is, his character. You're in Exodus chapter 3, look at verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Now, if you're a Bible student, you know that that is God's self-existent name. No beginning, no end. No one sustains God. God does that. I am that I am. And he said, 
Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Go over to Exodus chapter 6. Would you look at verse 3? And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. You don't have to turn there, but in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, we read this, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Does God's name matter to him? It certainly does. In Exodus 20 and verse 7, repeated again in Deuteronomy 5 verse 11, God is offended at the misuse of his name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Do you know one of the reasons why I know my Bible is true and God is real? Because of the way the world uses his name. They hate that name. Because down deep, God created them to know they're going to give an account to the one who bears that name. I have yet to hear somebody curse Buddha or Muhammad, all right, or whatever else they're worshiping. But they don't like this name. God says, my name matters to me. Psalm 147.4 says, he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. You ever stood out under a clear night and looked up at all those stars? Do you know God's named every one of them? That's amazing. They all have a name. God named Adam and Eve at the dawn of creation. He assigned names to the angels. Isaiah 14, 12. Lucifer, where'd he get his name? God. Luke 1, 19 tells us about Gabriel. Where did he get his name? God. Later in the book of life, I'm sorry, later in scripture we learn that the name of every human is recorded in the book of life. Or as Psalm 69.28 calls it, the book of the living. God directed some parents to give specific names to their children. Genesis 16.11, God told Hagar to name her son Ishmael. Uh, Genesis 17, 19, God told Abraham to name his son Isaac, the child of promise, name him Isaac. In Hosea 1, 2 to 6, Hosea the prophet is instructed by God to give each of his children names, representing what God would do to chasten Israel for turning their back on his name. God changed the names of others. Genesis 17, 5, he changed Abram's name to Abraham. Chapter 32, verse 29 of Genesis, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. By the way, I love that change. Surplanner, deceiver. That name could be given to all of us. But when we know God, we put our faith in him, who does he make us? A prince with God. Names matter. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus changed Cephas' name to Peter. Names are used by God to express his desire for close fellowship with his people. 
Though the Jewish nation was far away from the Lord in Isaiah's day, God used their names to call them back to himself. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name, thou art mine. As the shepherd of the sheep, Jesus told his disciples, the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out, John 10, 2 and 3. Are you one of Jesus' sheep? He knows your name. He doesn't know about you. He knows you. Since God so loved the world, he desires to have a relationship with every person through saving faith. And so God's opinion about your name matters. He placed you here to know him, to worship him. He loves you. He loves your name. And he wants to save you if you don't already know him. Now God's opinion about your name matters. God's opinion about your name matters. Listen to Proverbs 22 verse 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Notice that the word good, if you're using the King James translation this morning, I hope you are, it's in italics because it isn't in the original, though it is certainly implied. How do we know? This translation is accurate for two reasons. First, the Hebrew word Taub, translated loving, in the second half of the verse, is also translated good throughout the Old Testament. All right, and so this verse could be translated, a good name is better than great riches, and good favor is better than silver and gold. A good favor and your name need to go together. We all have a name. But when God sees us, does he look on us with favor because we are seeking to please him? These are parallel thoughts. You cannot have a good name in the minds of others without having their favor. You cannot have their favor unless they think well of you as a person, your name. Do you know when your name is mentioned, when my name is mentioned, they don't just see a face, they see the person behind that face. So a good name and good favor are to be desired more than wealth because a good name matters far more to God. Now you and I know there are folks, <clears throat> even politicians, <laughs> who will set aside their name to get wealth. And for favor, depending on who their group of friends is, they're willing to do anything, vote any way, take any position because they want the favor of the masses, whether the masses are right or not. But God says that his opinion of your name matters. Now, Proverbs 22, verse 1, is uh, accurate for a second reason. Solomon 
revisits the theme about a good name in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. The smell of a costly perfume and the mention of a good name both bring pleasing responses to our minds. But God says a good name is far better. Though everyone is given a name at his or her birth, the reputation of that name at one's death is what really matters to the Lord, what he thinks. Now, we know there are many people that came from humble beginnings or even very bad backgrounds. At the time of their death, their name is honored, and for good reason. And that's the point of Ecclesiastes 7.1. doesn't matter what you were born into. God draws all people to himself, and if you'll yield to the Lord at the time of your death, your name can matter for God, and it will bring honor here. It will. Since we were created for God's glory through worship, fellowship, and service, Scripture reveals he views the names of each of us differently based on our willingness to do his will. And by the way, you may be deceived into thinking that you can choose your gender and even change your name. But you know, the name that God gave you and the gender that God made you to be, that's what you're going to give an account for in heaven. And so there are names that God accepts in the Bible. There are rotten names, as we continue to study this theme through Scripture. And there are names that God chose not to mention at all. Why? Because names matter to God. And so let's look at these different categories of names in Scripture. First of all, accepted names. Hebrews eleven six reminds us, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seek his favor. Seek to please him by believing him. Faith is God's redemptive Faith in God's redemptive plan determines whether someone's name will be accepted by him or not. I was talking to someone recently and they wisely said, you know, the problem on earth is pride. Really, that was so true. Why is pride a problem? Because I can easily take my name and elevate it above God's name. But those who will say no... My name doesn't matter. God's name does. He created me to please him. And then they submit to him, first of all, by receiving, admitting that they're sinners and receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. And then in their new life in Christ, they seek to obey God's word because they love him. Because they know that their Father in heaven intends good for them. When they live by faith, he accepts their name. And, and something as simple as this, what does the Lord say? If we'll humble ourselves, he'll exalt us. Humble yourself below him. Don't be proud. Follow him. He'll exalt your name. But if you exalt your own name and you're proud, God says, I'll abase you. I'll put you down. Hebrews 11 then goes on, uh, after talking about faith, faith, to list several names of Old Testament saints who through faith pleased God. 
God's word also teaches that the names of those who trust Jesus Christ alone for salvation remain eternally in the book of life. Moses believed his name was in the book, Exodus 32, 32. In fact, he loved the people of God so much, he said, Lord, if you're going to, please don't destroy them. If, if this is necessary, blot my name out of the book, but spare them. That's love, that's compassion. Paul told the Philippian church that the name of his fellow laborers in the gospel were written in the book of life, Philippians 4.3. Seven times in Revelation, the Holy Spirit has John refer to the book of life. Jesus declared in Revelation 3, 5 that he had previously taught the, what he had previously taught the disciples in Matthew 10, 32 and Luke 12, 8. He will confess before his Father in heaven the names of those who confessed his name before others here. Have you declared Jesus' name to anybody? You know, the Lord says, if you declare his name, you just share your story. You tell others how the Lord saved you, that God wants to save them too. If you'll share that with others, do you know what God prom Jesus promises? When he's standing before the Father, God the Son will declare to God the Father, here is so-and-so, they declared our names. You want that when you get to heaven? I do. I'm nobody, but to have God take up my name because I took up his name here and tried to lead others to him. What a blessing. Because of the, of the finished work of the Savior at Calvary, anyone can be redeemed and named with the saints in heaven in the book of life. So there, those are accepted names. I believe the scripture teaches clearly that even before you were born, God knew he would give you life and he put your name in the book of life. In your life, if you will admit to God you're a sinner, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, your name is there in indelible ink. Accepted names. Never be erased from that book. Now there's another uh, category of names that we see in Scripture, and those are rotten names. <clears throat> now we, we all get this. There are certain names that if I said the name this morning you'd want to plug your nose. Adolf Hitler. Ugh. And I could go on. Do you know that God says there are some names in his nostrils that stink? There are names that God accepts. Some names are rotten to him. If this sounds extreme, consider Proverbs 10 and verse 7. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Who said that? God said that. The Hebrew word rot can be translated. It means something decaying or worm eaten. Ugh. So I won't dwell on this because we have lunch coming up a little later, right? But that's what it means. A Google search lists past monarchs whose very names reveal personal problems. Here they are. Charles the Simple. Louis the sluggard, no relation to the Louisville slugger, just mentioning that. But Ethelred the unready. What do you think about Louis the fat? That, you say, are those real names? Look them up, all right? Google will help you. Do you know a Bible search also reveals monarchs whose names remind us of their wickedness and their memory is still repulsive? 
How about this list, Ahab and Jezebel? Remember Athaliah who put all of her grandchildren, all the heirs to the throne, put them to death and be, to, so she could be queen? How about Herod? Judas. Do you remember the name of the man who called himself the first king of Israel? We think of Saul as being the first king, and he was in God's estimation. But do you remember a guy by the name of Abimelech? Abimelech was a son of Gideon. His story is told in Judges 9. Now, to make a name for himself and remove any threat to his plans of greatness and monarchy, he slew 70 of his own brothers. Wow. Now, how did he die? Well, one of the most humiliating ways for a warrior to be killed in ancient times was at the hands of a woman. No offense, ladies. Judges 9.53 says this, And a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull. She had good aim. All right? She hit the mark. Essentially, a housewife hit Abimelech over the head with a kitchen appliance. Guys, be careful in the kitchen. All right? I'm just saying Rolling pins, frying pans have different uses. I move on, okay. <laughs> Verse 54 indicates that God made sure that Abimelech saw it coming since he knew a woman had thrown the millstone. That's what he says to his armor bearer. And then he dies with the memory that as a warrior, he got taken out by a woman throwing a millstone. What comes to your mind when you think of these names? Satan, Judas, Stalin, Ted Bundy. These names turn our thoughts foul and they sour our emotions. And yet, any fallen individual who turns to a life of wickedness can have a name that stinks to God and others. Have you ever known a Christian, professing Christian, that started out with a good name and then for the sake of their name and what they wanted, they made other decisions and today their name stinks. I don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. Paul said, I don't want to be that person lest after I have preached unto others, I make decisions and God takes me and he puts me on the shelf. Paul never wanted to be a Demas. And then we see a third category, and that's the unnamed in Scripture. An individual's name can be acceptable to God or be a stench to him, but there is a third category, and that's the unnamed in Scripture. Sometimes God chose to withhold someone's name altogether because that person proudly defied God's law in order to promote their own name. And although they had a human name, no doubt, God said, as far as Holy Scripture, you'll not ever be named. 
The kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth is such an example. According to Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6, it was the responsibility of the closest male relative to marry Ruth and raise up children to her deceased husband's name. Ruth 4, 6 tells us that the disobedient kinsman was thinking or what he was thinking as he spoke to Boaz. Here's what he said. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. What's he referring to? My name. The name that my kids are going to propagate. And so he says, redeem, he says this to Boaz, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. He knew that if he married Ruth, their offspring would bear the name of Ruth's husband. Now certainly this man had a name in Bethlehem. The men of Bethlehem knew his name, but his arrogance caused the name to be withheld from the biblical record. <clears throat> I don't know that we'll ever meet this guy in heaven. We'll never know his name. Another no name is the uh, a lying Amalekite in 2 Samuel 1. Remember, after the battle, Saul and his sons are slain, uh, the battle with the Philistines, <clears throat> and this guy ha is, is there on the battlefield. Uh, the action probably has stopped, and he sees, there's the king lying, he sees the crown, he sees some other uh, things that belong to the king. He grabs them up, puts them in a bag, and he says, this is an opportunity to exalt my name. Where's David? He flees to David. He comes up with his story. Here's what the king asked me to do. And I killed him. He asked me to take his life. I killed him. I took care of your enemy. And here's proof. He did not understand that what mattered to David was God's name, not David's name. David has the man put to death. After he mourns, he has the man put to death. The reason he had made the false claim is obvious. He wanted to make a name for himself, gain a reputation in Israel and with the king. There is no doubt this man was given a name at birth, but God chose not to allow his name to be known. His name died with him. If you stop to consider, there's a group in Scripture who will go unnamed for all eternity. And I've already referenced this. But can I say this with all the love in my heart? This would be me if the Lord hadn't given me the gospel through my Father. If I hadn't prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Revelation 3.5 reveals that those who have not received Christ will be blotted out of the book of life. I've already talked about that book. Do you know there is a divine eraser? If a person is born, their name's already in that book. If they live their life, they reject Jesus Christ as Savior. At the moment that they die, their name is erased from the book of life. There are no names unnamed forever. It, it pains me to think that 
there are neighbors that I have. Their names won't be in that book. Now, I believe for eternity, you and I will be able to approach that book. Can you imagine? We're in heaven, it's our home, and we can open that book, and there's my name. But there may be names of your children and your grandchildren, parents, others who rejected Jesus Christ. Now, if you witness to them and their name is blotted out of that book, you'll have a completely perfect sense of God's justice and love. And if their name is not there and you did everything you could, praying for them, witnessing to them, their name is not there, you will have a a confirmation of justice in your heart. Their name shouldn't be in this book. They had every chance and they rejected the Lord. But I do think that it's going to sober us. And I don't think for all eternity we're going to have regret. Don't misunderstand. But I think it's it's going to sober us when when we realize who's not there. And in our standing before the Lord, our name is in the book, but we did not share Christ with others that God had put across our pathway. And by the way, again, the Lord didn't call you to save him. He told you to tell him. Just tell him. I'll never forget that message we heard in our missions conference where a missionary told us, look, if you're saved, you have a story, just tell them your story. How the Lord saved you, tell them. So that they can have a story of faith in Christ and live eternally with him. Some of the most fearful words any mortal can ever read are found in Matthew 7, 22 and 23. We're all going to see Jesus. We're all going to bow before him and his name. At that name, we'll bow. But many will say to me, Jesus said in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Do you see the emphasis in thy name, in thy name, in thy name? Do you know you can know God's name? You can know Jesus' name and go to hell. And they're going to give this testimony before the Lord and then he will profess to them, I never knew you. I didn't know your name. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And by the way, that last part of of the verse there is the whole issue. If you're saved, you stop practicing iniquity. All right? doesn't mean you're sinless and we all sin and we confess that to the Lord but the idea here is those who continue to practice lawlessness wickedness sin they don't know the Lord and they can do these works and they can even do it in Jesus name and be lost say is that really true have you ever heard of a guy named Judas he did all kinds of things in Jesus name And the other disciples saw it, which is why in the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, the other guys didn't have a clue. Is it I? Is it I? Who who is he talking about? And we find out later that Judas was a worker of iniquity, knew the Lord's name, but had never put his personal faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. 
Religious people can do good works in Jesus' name, but if they have never repented of their sin, put their faith in his finished work at the cross, it will be as if the Son of God never knew their names. I may be speaking to someone right here this morning. That's where you're at. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'll tell you, this is reality. And if you feel a tug in your heart, that is the Spirit of God saying, right now, today, you need to believe on me and be saved. So what is your name to God? What is your name to God? Hello, my name is... Well, it doesn't matter to others what they think of your name. It does, because your name can be an influence for God, for righteousness or not. But what is your name to God? What's in a name? The Bible reveals that the name of every human being matters so much to God. He has placed those names in an eternal book, heaven's record. And it will be heaven's eternal roster. Everybody living in the kingdom, their name's in the book, in the registry. Unless a person chooses to reject the gift of God's Son. And so 2 Timothy 2.19 reminds each Christian, the Lord knoweth them that are His. He knows their names. How their reputations then reflect on His name. Therefore, 2 Timothy 2.19 ends this way, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. So the Lord knows your name. The Lord knows how your name reflects on his name. What kind of a testimony do you have, Christian? And someday you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to give an account for how your name reflected on his name. What's in a name? Quite a bit. Your name matters. It matters to God. Would you walk in the Spirit so that your name pleases God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth that we've seen today. Lord, forgive me for the times that my name has not exalted your name. Lord, forgive me. As we saw in our study in 1 Corinthians, there's only one name that matters in the church, and it's the name Jesus Christ. The problems in Corinth were a result of people exalting their names over your name. Lord, would you so work at Good News Baptist Church that every member here is driven to exalt the name of Christ because our names, unless we exalt your name, our names don't matter. And so, Lord, in this time of invitation now that we have, would you draw Sinners to yourself. Lord, if there's a Christian here where their name has brought shame to your name because of sin, sin they're tolerating, God, would you get a hold of their hearts? Lord, you love them, you love their name. Lord, would you help their name to be right with you as they come to you and make right? Then, Father, if there's someone here who is unsaved, Right now, their name is in that book because you want their name to be in that book forever. But unless they turn to you and are saved, Lord, it will be erased. 
Help them to run to Jesus. Help them to come to you today. And Lord, would you save souls? Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.